Yeah, let's give a big round of applause to our seniors, all the hard work that they've done over the last four years. It's so much fun to be sifting through those pictures as a youth minister going on Facebook and stalking them for the funny baby one or stuff like that. The one with Rhett and his glasses cracks me up every single time. If you don't know who I am, I'm Brian Brunson. I'm our youth and family minister here, and this is our Senior Sunday moment where we get to celebrate our seniors. Uh, They're not actually at this service. They'll be at the 1130 service, uh, but we get to honor them in a very special way uh, with our message this morning. I interned at Cross Point back in 2017 uh, in the youth ministry and in the children's ministry and got to know so many great kids, got to know so many great uh, youth group kids, uh, parents and shepherds alike. And as I got in my truck and drove home in August of 2017, I thought, man, I just, I don't know if I'm done with this place. Felt really weird. Knew I wanted to live in the Metroplex my whole life. And then the opportunity happened a year ago, applied, and ultimately got the job. And, and today feels like a family gathering for me. I, I look out into the audience, and I see friends. I see family. There's a couple in here that I joke with. They're my brother and sister, the Martins. Got a new sister a few, uh, about a month ago, if you didn't know. And at a family gathering, I want you to just close your eyes for a second and, and think about what your family gatherings looked like as you were a kid. Might be some football on the front lawn, maybe some wiffle ball. If you're anything like my family, it was wiffle ball. We couldn't play anything else. Who could hit the most home runs at wiffle ball was always the discussion at uh, the dinner table. And the kids are out in the yard playing. The adults might be sitting on the patio talking about Social Security or 401Ks. Those were the things that some of my family members talked about. And whenever I was a kid, I was like, actually, I'm going to go beat everybody at knockout. So you guys take the conversation, keep it there on the porch. I don't want any part of it. But then comes the absolute best time of our family gatherings, the food. And I know a lot of you, whenever I said family gatherings and began thinking about what that looked like in your life, you had a food item in mind, right? For me, whenever my Nana would walk in with her rolls, I would immediately start grabbing them, even if we weren't going to eat for another two hours. I ate about six before dinner time, and I'd eat another five at the table. Or maybe it was her chocolate pies or my grandma's green bean casserole. I, I hate green beans, but I will eat them in casserole form only if my grandmother makes them. And so as you think about that, man, what great memories that we have with these family gatherings. Just a couple of observations to make about those is that oftentimes we, we set up two very different tables, and, and I totally meant to have these here, but I pulled a Brian and forgot an adult table and a kid table. is going to be this really great thing, and you guys are going to think that I was really creative, but I'm not, so <laughs> sorry about that. And so let's imagine over here that, that this is the kid's table. It might be not as high off the ground. You're going to have a pretty cheap tablecloth over it to just protect against any spills. You're going to find plastic silverware, stuff that doesn't hurt the kids. We don't want them to tear the roof of their mouth up. There's going to be sippy cups, maybe they're Paw Patrol cups. I don't know if any of you in here watch Paw Patrol, but it's actually a pretty good show. (laughs) And the conversation might be something like, who did the Power Rangers defeat that week? What did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles do? I I don't know. Kids kids do all these different stuff. Whenever I was growing up, that was the conversation that we had. What color Power Ranger did you want to be? And then you come over here. To the adult table. And at the adult table, it's a different setup. There's fine china. Mom has washed the silverware till it shines. You have to be able to see your reflection in it. Really tall glasses. You might have sweet tea, water, 
like stuff that the kids don't want to drink. They'll, they'll still want milk, juice, all of that stuff. And the conversation at the adult table is just what came from the front porch. We're going to talk about social security. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about the good old days. And each of these tables are missing out on something really, really big. The kids are missing out on, on the stories of how their grandma and grandpa fell in love. And man, I could never forget how my grandma and grandpa fell in love. David, Trent met Wanda Tolleson at the Heidi Ho drive-in with their friends Linda and Jim Denton, who set them up on a double date, and the rest is history. They said, I love you, like a week later. Got married a year later after they graduated high school. And they don't hear those stories, because we, we have them over here talking, of, or kids are over here. We have them talking about the Power Rangers, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Paw Patrols of the world. And at some point, we all grow up. And in church terms, we, we grow up from the children's ministry over here, and there's all these really great things, these really creative rooms, energetic teachers. And, and as we're growing up, we look over, and we see that the youth ministry people are, are going on trips. They're going to Camp of the Hills. They're being told to grab like 800 oranges at HEB, and their eyes just go out of their brains. And they're, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of going to Sam's place. I want to be a part of going to Honduras. And we grow in anticipation for those moments. And, and then we get to that point, and those are really great. We have a lot of fun with them. We encounter Jesus. And even at these camps, maybe, there's, there's the night where we all commit our lives to Christ, and we take him on in baptism. And then we get to high school. We get to graduation. At this point, students are asking two really big questions at graduation. We're going to dive into those today. The first one is, who am I, and which table do I belong at? And graduation is the biggest faith transition in a teenager's life. There's nothing that rivals it. Because they're growing in independence. They have to start thinking for themselves. Because whenever I got to my dorm room, I realized my mom wasn't there to make me a grilled cheese the next morning. And I was like, man, I am just shot because the calf is closed. And I have like $20 in my bank account. So what am I supposed to do? And this two-table setup can really hurt the church. Which is why here at Crosspoint, we started making some intentional changes about what that looks like. Um, during worship, it was so cool. It was specifically on this side of the building. We heard some little ones, right? And to me, I just heard these, these shouts of worship and praise. It might not have been that. It might have been a temper tantrum, but it was there. And it was so refreshing to hear those voices. And it wasn't until about six years ago that my cousin uh, Derek reentered our lives, and he had a baby with him and a three-year-old uh, daughter. And we were just like, Wow. Welcome back to the table. But all of a sudden, our family was infused with youth. It was infused with passion. It was infused with a lot of spills and messes as well. But we loved it. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and so here at Crosspoint, we believe in that one table setup. And we're, and we're working on making even more changes that, that make us grow together and have a shared identity through Jesus Christ. But at this transition here, at graduation, everything falls apart. And there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great research out there. Tim has mentioned a lot of it uh, here lately uh, from the Fuller Youth Institute or the Barna Group. And it's about 50 to 75% of students are leaving the church after graduation. And a lot of studies show a lot of people surveyed they love Jesus they love those four books at the beginning of the New Testament. They love the stories of, of Jesus healing someone without even touching that person, that they reach out and touch Jesus and heal him. They see that. They see that they can reach out to Jesus and fill 
be filled with his grace and be healed. But what are we doing about this 50 to 70%? When you don't, what happens when you don't have a place at the table? Well, you're going to leave the meal. And, and when you leave the meal, you might feel really excited. Man, my parents have been on my case, or I, I finally get to do something on my own. And then you get involved with all these other tables. And what I found at a couple of the tables that I went to after I moved to Lubbock to be on my own is that I sat down at some really sinful tables. I sat down with a lot of people that weren't family. And I wasted a lot of time not being plugged into a community of faith who could tell me who I was, who could help shape my identity. I think Mark 10 paints this really good picture of what Jesus wants the one table church to look like. And so, as it happens, Jesus is teaching and his disciples are there, and you know his disciples, they're, they're right on his heels. They've left, they forfeited everything in their life. They left their families just to join Jesus in his mission. And these kids just begin running up to Jesus. And Jesus is talking about the D word here, folks. He's talking about divorce. This is an adult table conversation. Kids, head on out because you don't know this concept yet. And as they're running and the disciples are trying to stop them, Jesus actually stops and looks at them and says, what are you doing? Now imagine that Jesus is angry at this point. He said, this, the kingdom of God is actually for these kids and you have a lot to learn from them. They've got, they've got all these things going for them. And, and you know, I, I imagine there's more back and forth than what the Bible gives of like, well, you don't think I have passion. You don't think I have willingness. No, I think that you do. But you're not letting these people hear. You're not letting them hear the gospel message. Because God uses early experiences to shape our faith foundation that even if we were to leave the table one day, ultimately we could return through that shared experience that we have. And after Jesus dies, there's this guy named Paul. I hear he's pretty famous. I hear he started the church. And in 1 Corinthians 12, um, he writes about the body. Have the verses up there. Not up there. All right, here we go. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, do not need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect these parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together that extra honor and care be given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. And so let me ask you a question today, church. If, if, if we didn't have kids, let's just take kids crossing out of the equation completely. That's a part of our body. Let's say that's our arm. If we lose the arm, we can certainly function. We could pay the bills. We could, we could, do, some, we could do some outreach. We, we could still live out the mission of God, right? We could function. And we'd certainly exist. I mean, the building's still here. The people are still here. We're just missing some giggles, some laughs, and uh, some really funny conversations of what they tell you that mom and dad did that weekend and you didn't want people to know that. But your kid went ahead and divulged the information, right? But can we thrive? It's highly unlikely. And so here's what I'm going to advocate for today. I need some crazy aunts and uncles. 
We are all in need of crazy aunts and uncles. And so uh, I was so blessed in my life that my mom's uh, older sibling, she's the youngest of three, that I had a crazy uncle, Devin, who by all stretches is your typical crazy uncle. I'd put him in in a, in a sitcom to be the crazy uncle over anyone in the world. And then I had an Aunt Deborah who also, like me, so, uh, struggles with middle child syndrome. So her and I cling together like, uh, like two peas in a pod. And so what they would do is they would, they would grab their plate and they would, they'd come over to the kids' table. And, they, and they'd sit there and be like, hey, so how was soccer practice? Like, are, are you doing good at soccer? Have you scored any goals? Oh, no, you're still picking dandelions? That's great. All right, cool. I'm going to move on to the next little group of kids here. All right, hey, do you have a spelling test this week? Keep eating my food. I'm going to... I remember my uncle helped me spell business at Thanksgiving one year, and then I passed it on my study test like the next week. So I was really thankful for that. And then they come over to the adult table and they begin to check on what's going on over there. Oh, yeah, work going good. Or, oh, you're trying to find a new job. Is there any way that I can help you with that? Keeps going. And it would happen that they would talk to everybody at every single meal. No one could ever be left out because Devin and Deborah, they got it. They understood what it meant to be a guide. And a guide is, is someone who doesn't carry your pack for you. A guide is someone who walks with you and creates a healthy and safe place for you to experience what it is like to have a shared identity through the community of the church. And so what would it look like if we pulled these two tables together, if, if they were just real close? I mean, they wouldn't be proportionate or anything like that, because I explained that the kids' table is way smaller doesn't look as good. It would conflict a little bit, right? It'd look really weird. Will there be a lot of messes? Absolutely. We're going to have to clean up a lot of apple juice, a lot of cereal pieces. And as we talked about what they missed out on, what would it look like if, if the kids' table actually knew the history of our church? I got, to, I got to sit with some people and learn about the history of this church whenever I first got here. I, I didn't know it was Turnpike. So I got to hear about Turnpike. And then there are these plaques up in our office that talk about the 39ers. And I go, who are they? I got to hear about them. I got to hear about how we started helping out in the community of Grand Prairie. And I was like, man, that is awesome. I heard about what you guys were doing 25, 30 years ago. It's awesome, and it's awesome to continue to partner in that way. Those kids would know their history and their heritage, and, and if you're anything like me, I feel like I'm a little bit of an old soul. I feel like I'm actually like 42. I go to bed at like 8.45 or 9 o'clock every night, and like I might get up and watch the news in the morning, um, sip my coffee, and be like, those darn kids, they're out on the lawn again. <laughs> Sometimes I feel that way. But whenever I'm, with, whenever I'm with my students or I, I help out with a kid's crossing event, man, I feel the passion and the energy. All of a sudden, I feel like my knees are a little bit uh, more flimsy. I can go run around with them. I can hang out and be that presence. And, and also, I get to pour into them of what it's like to live a gospel-centered life, what it looks like to be a one-table church that has a shared identity through Jesus, just like he was talking about in Mark 10. And so for everyone to thrive, or for the church to thrive, Everyone needs a place at the table. And so I posed two questions here at the, at the beginning of uh, this message. And that is, who are you? And which table do you belong at? Because for me, I, I wandered for a really long time. I, I was like, is there like a in-between table? Like, a, is there a class that I should take on how to actually behave at the adult table? I didn't know how to use silverware right and stuff like that. So maybe I thought if I learned how to eat right or something like that, that I would ultimately get to that point where I could go to the adult table. 
But church, whenever we become that one table and we, and we help our students know that they're not just the church of, of tomorrow, that they're the church of now. That's something I've really had to reshape my language on. It's, uh, there's three students sitting over here and a couple more over on this side and a couple more at the back, and there will be more here later. But you can, you can serve on the worship team now. You can, you can start forming communion thoughts in your head. You can start leading Bible studies at your school. It's simple. It can happen. We can do this. And we are doing it. So to answer those questions, the, the answers are really easy, simple, and scriptural. First answer is you are his. And which table do you belong at? Well, you belong at the table of the family of God. And one thing that I, uh, I've, I've known throughout my whole life is I love the church that I grew up at. Did it have its messes? Absolutely. There's still some stuff that I don't know about it. But I'll stay through the messes and I'll stay through the spills because I have a shared identity because I use that early experience to shape what I'm doing today, to, to, to be in youth ministry. And I'm so thankful for that moment. And so each one of us are given a name at birth. My name is Brian Wesley Brunson. My wife and uh, my parents call me Wes because there was a red Power Ranger that I wanted to grow up and be one day. And his name was Wes. And so by golly, I was going to be the guy. I was going to save the day. When my parents were mad at me, it'd be Brian Wesley or Brian Wesley Brunson. And everybody here just calls me Brian. But as we're given this name, you got to know a couple of things. That the only name that you actually need is follower of Christ. The only table that you need to be at is the one where other brothers and sisters are gathered around, partaking that communion, worshiping together with one united voice, and reaching those who aren't yet at the table. And we do, uh, I think that we do a great job of that here in Grand Prairie. I think that we do a great job of that globally. And so this would be a, a moment for our seniors to know, like, you know what you're worth. We have helped shape what this looks like in your life. And I want you to know that this is a table that you can always come back to. In youth ministry terms, we call this being a wall, okay? And so as, as we're bobbing and weaving around the world right now, we just want to be a safe, strong, and steady presence for our students. Be a wall that they can come back to create a safe place for them. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. We're going to do a little bit more time of worship.